All right. You all probably wonder what the subject is. <laughs> we, we are looking at the faith of the Son of God. Uh, and we'll continue there at least tonight. I have some uh, things working in my heart. We'll see where the Lord takes them. But in the faith of the Son of God, as we look at this word, you know, the just shall live by faith. And that word live comes into focus. Live. Those that hear his voice in John 5, Jesus said, shall live. So just want to gather this thought up into our mind that faith comes by hearing the rhema of God, the voice of God. So what comes to you and I as we hear the voice of God? What comes is living faith. The life I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. So there's living faith that comes to us, to our souls, as we hear. Now, when we digest that, when we begin to digest that, to live is Christ. And Jesus makes that plain to us when he comes. He said, I am life. So when we receive him, we receive life. Life is not separate from who he is. So if I live by the faith of the Son of God, then I'm living by who he is. And in the simplicity of, of that understanding, and we look at the cross, at the death side of the cross, the burial side of the cross, we could say that was ending who we were. Okay, just, just real simple. That ends who we were. And it brings forth who he is. Now, that's a simple statement. But that is the understanding that we need to get a hold of. Who we were ended at the cross. Because he gathered us up into the body of his death and he buried us to bring us forth in the body of his resurrection. So we come out of one man who was dead in sin 
carnal, in thought, flesh, by nature. So all of that is in one man. Dead in sin, carnal, in thought, flesh, in nature. And we see that throughout the Bible. We see the workings of that man, that old man. But the beauty of our salvation is Jesus takes care of the life part. So I live by the faith of the Son of God. Galatians, we might as well read Galatians 2. So this is where I live, Galatians 2, 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. I said this recently to a group where I was ministering. That would be nice for the church to know this, that I'm not justified by the works of the law. That the law didn't justify me. The law that Paul says is holy and good. Nothing was wrong with the law. Nothing. But the law was speaking of one greater than ourselves. See, there was, the law was holy and good. There's an idea. I think in some circles in Christianity that something was wrong with the law and there was nothing wrong with the law. The word of the Lord is pure. The word of the Lord is upright. So what God was saying in the law was speaking of Jesus Christ because you and I could not attain to it. But here we know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ, because he could attain to the law. So we also have believed in Christ Jesus in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. So, so we even stop trying to be justified by the law. We quit considering that we can be justified by the law as we come to the faith of the Son of God. It's not even a consideration anymore. It shouldn't be that you and I could be justified by the law. And he goes on to say, because by works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? See, Christ is righteous. And he's the minister of righteousness. He's not the minister to proclaim us sinners again. He's the minister that proclaims us righteous, holy, and just. 
And we don't achieve that in ourselves. We achieve that in union with our Lord, union with our life. Paul goes on here to say, is Christ in a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. Hallelujah. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. And I just love this. The life I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And I don't frustrate the grace of God, because I had no ability to live unto God. I had no ability to even understand it, to live in union and relationship with God to live in peace and harmony with the Lord. See, all of that is understood in the person of Jesus Christ. That's how I understand union and relationship with God. That's how I understand peace with God, joy with God, like Brother Dale had been, has been sharing. That's how I understand this is through union and relationship. I don't even understand it because I read it in the Bible. I read it in the Bible and I say, I believe that. But I don't come to an understanding of it. I don't come to a knowing of it. Because I read it in the Bible. Because if I did, then everyone that picked up the Bible and read those words would walk in an understanding of it. But I come to an understanding of it in divine relationship, in the person of the gospel. And that's what we've been talking about, the faith of the Son of God the substance of Christ being known in our hearts. And I believe this set of scripture here, I live by the faith of the Son of God, we could go to Philippians 2, and I believe, you know, I, I believe it's, it's really declaring the same thing, that, I may apprehend that for which I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. See, Philipp I said Philippians 2, uh, Philippians 3. 
See, Philippians 3, to me, is the heart of Apostle Paul. I, I believe Paul is summing up in Philippians 3, maybe everything he ever wrote, that I may know him. This was what he was presenting to the church, that I may be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God, which is by faith. That I might be found there, that my being, See, see, those are big words that I may be found in him. They're so big. What, what does that mean that I may be found in him? I, I may find myself. in the understanding of the old man. Okay. So when I consider myself for a moment, I can consider myself in the old man, even though I'm in Christ. Now, Paul says that I may be found in him. So what is true in Jesus may be true in me. Because we are the body of his resurrection. So that's, to me, what Paul is declaring that I may be found in him. Wow. Now, that I may apprehend that which I'm apprehended of Christ. Now, what, what all did Christ apprehend? Ephesians 1 tells us that in the fullness of times, God gathered together all things in one, even in Christ. So every word he spoke, every work he had done, Every work he was going to do, he gathered it up in one. And we've been apprehended by Jesus Christ in all that God has said, all that God has purposed, and all that he completed in the cross. So that's 
what we've been apprehended in. So now when I look at that, that, that I may know him, that brings a much greater picture, presents a deeper depth than what we may have ever considered. Because it's all gathered up in a person. So, so when I read like Brother Dale and uh, uh, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And, and I think Brother James other night used the scripture in Isaiah. Therefore, Isaiah 51, therefore, the redeemed of the Lord shall return and come with singing unto Zion, and everlasting joy shall be upon their head. They shall obtain gladness and joy, sorrow and mourning shall flee away. I even I am he that comforteth you. Who art thou that thou shouldest be afraid of a man that shall die and of the son of man which shall be made as grass? King James says head. I think another translation says heads. Our head is Christ. And the head deals with the mind. We have, Paul says, the mind of Christ. So everlasting joy shall be upon our head. So if we have the mind of Christ, we know the relationship we're in with God. So that's a joyful place. We're one with God. We're in right standing with the Lord. That's up on our head. That's joy and gladness. The war has been won. The enemy's been defeated. So this is now in our mind, in our understanding. So that's being found in him. What's in our mind, in our understanding, in our heart? It is, I guess the question is what that's working in our mind? Is it according to the truth that's in Christ? Do we perceive what we read, what we quote. John 14, 20, at that day you shall know, I am in my Father, you and me, and I in you. Do we perceive that? Is that the perception of our mind? Is that the understanding? Do you see, do you see what I'm trying to say? The understanding of the old man is sin and decay and famine and nakedness. And you go on and on. All of this is in the understanding of the old man. It's in his mind. It's in his heart. We're not there. No, the, the glory of the gospel is, is we've been removed from that place through the work of the Lord and brought into Christ. 
to apprehend that which he has apprehended for us. What did he apprehend for us? Right standing with God, justification, redemption, cleanliness. And you could just take a list of, of these things and just write them down. Say, Jesus apprehended this. Okay? So now, I press toward the mark. For the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I seek to know as I'm known of God. So, so our mind is changed. Our heart is changed. We had hearts in Adam that couldn't know God. And we read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. The spirit of man knoweth not the things that be of God. So he... What, is he, what does man do? He sits around and he imagines what God is like. <laughs> Can't know it. But the apostle Paul writes, but we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things freely given to us of God. Join heirs with Christ. <laughs> what are the things? Join heirs with Christ. In his presence is joy forevermore. Wow. That's what's in Christ. The fullness of God in Christ. All that God is in nature and character. That's what Jesus said. He says, all things of the fathers are mine. Now I could say, well, he means the, all the natural world. And that would be true. But I can take it a step further because the apostle Peter says we have received that pertaining to godliness, that pertaining to nature, divine nature. Now, this is the good news, that the divine nature that's not corrupt, can't be corrupted, has been given to us. How do we fully comprehend it and walk in it? No. But that's the mark, folks. That's the glory that is not just set before us, put within us. The glory of the express image of God, God in expression. A people that had no ability in themselves to express God, 
coming to a place that Christ would be revealed, that God could be expressed. That's divine union. That, to me, is what our hearts should be after to obtain by faith. That's the substance of God working in us to bring us into that place, into that state of being, being found in him. Our minds found there, our thoughts found there, our intentions found there. You go on and on. We, we can look at our intentions. We know what our intentions are sometimes, where they're at. But the beauty of salvation is Jesus has made all of this to us. Oh, what love the Father has bestowed upon us. That he's made unto us. That what we could never accomplish. And that just makes it so much more what Paul says. He says, I don't frustrate the grace of God. Oh, because Paul, I believe, understood he could never accomplish this in himself. <laughs> so he doesn't, he's not frustrating what God has done in Christ. He's the recipient of it. And his whole quest is to know it. You know, not to have a head knowledge of it, but to know it, to live in it, to dwell there. That's what I, I'm going to read First uh, John in a moment, chapter 1, but that's what I see in Isaiah 2. Through the years, Isaiah 2 has been one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, come and let us go into the house of the God of Jacob. And in that chapter, it goes on to say that he will teach us his ways. And when I hear that, his ways, because I've seen my ways, but God's saying, I'm going to teach you my ways. We shall walk in his past. Wow. Now, to me, that's salvation. God's ways and God's past made known to my heart and my mind that the inner core of my being could grasp that of God. To think that God had that intention in his heart when he framed man. The divine nature would be formed in him. What do you think it means Christ being formed in you? The divine nature of God. 
Why was Jesus not tempted like other men? Or why did he not, you know, he was tempted, but why did he not react as other men? Let me phrase that correct. Because of the nature. Because of who he is, who he was, who he is. And this is what God has bestowed upon us in this divine relationship. First John chapter one. Now to me, this is the walk of faith. What John writes here, he says, what was from the beginning? What we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing the word of God. Transformation. We talked about this in the, when we were in Revel the study of Revelation of Jesus Christ. Transformation comes by seeing. So what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands concerning the word of life. And the life was manifested and we have seen and testify and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. What we have seen and heard we proclaim to you also so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. These things we write so that your joy may be made complete. This is the message we have heard from him and announced to you that God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Now that's it. Walking, but if we walk in the light, if we walk in the understanding given of God, as he is in the light. See, what, what do you see here but union and relationship? We walk in the light as he is in the light. Because we can't walk in the light any other way. But through union and relationship. To me, this, I may, I may be wrong here. But to me, this is the walk of faith. Walking in the light as he is in the light. Comprehending that of God. Apprehending that of Christ. Understanding. Living in the understanding. Living in the union. Living in the expectation of it. Setting my heart toward it. Seeing all things fulfilled here. Coming to the knowing of it, expressing it to one another, expressing it in the earth, being an expression of what God has expressed in us. Living there.
That's living by the faith of the Son of God. Why? Because that life is dead to the world. It's dead to sin. It's dead to carnality. It's alive to God. That's what he's purchased us for, folks. That salvation. Christ in you. You know, we use that all the time, Christ in you. But the impact, let the impact of it dawn upon our hearts. Christ in you. Who he is living in you. How he is walking in you. What he is talking in you. The voice of the Son of God speaking in you, declaring himself every time he's revealed. The fragrance of God, Brother Jimmy. The smell of the Lord coming forth out of us. Not of dead humanity, not of dead flesh. But a people in Jubilee. Yes. Because look what the, do the Lord has done. He's joined us to himself. All the sufficiency of God is in you and I. Now, those are big words. All the sufficiency. This is divine relationship, folks. I used to hear people talk about relationship. Years ago, and sometimes when I would hear it, I, I would want to say things like, but, but, but. And now I hear it, and it's maybe the most beautiful song I've ever heard. Because I see to measure the relationship, the union. Because the gospel to me is so much more than just words. It's the person. The person who said, I will come again. The person that walked with them in Galilee, the person that touched Mary's heart, living in you and me, receiving us to himself. That's the gospel. Jesus, sweet Jesus, living 
breathing his life through us, sharing himself. Just as, as I was preparing tonight and setting my mind on the things of God, I could just hear this in my heart of the union and relationship of the marriage, what, what that means, being married to the Lord. The church is a bride in union with him. That's what husband and wife is, a union, a relationship, a fellowship with one another. That's what natural marriage is. What we have is divine union with who he is. Just the fellowship of his cross, of his death. Really, the fellowship of his cross is the whole thing because the cross embodies him. There's no cross without Jesus, folks. Jesus came and died. No one else could go to the cross and bring humanity to death and bury them and bring forth a new man. That's the cross. Putting a humanity to death, bringing forth a new man that's filled with the life of God. That's the cross. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. That, that to me, is so necessary and those that want to take away the cross to preserve humanity is trying not to be strong but it's repulsive because what the cross does is bring us out of humanity and into what John says here, the life that was manifested in Jesus Christ. Way better than you and me in ourselves. So much greater. We live by the faith by the comprehension of who he is. That's our life, who he is. Yes. I'll stop right here. I'll start with you, Brother Jimmy. 